Welcome into another podcast episode, Cast a Podcast here with Ronnie Moore, and today we've got a special guest, somebody that I've talked about and tagged on social media quite often, but you guys have maybe never heard from him uh, personally, and we'll get the chance to do that today, but on today's podcast, we're going to have Kyle Jesse. Uh, Kyle Jesse fished the college series, lives here in Arkansas, and I got to meet him because he was an intern at JM Outdoors, uh, the Bassmaster TV production entity that I work for in Little Rock. So got to meet Kyle through that, and we'll be able to talk to him about all kinds of things uh, related to him, his career aspirations, and then also his experience with bass fishing, kind of growing up watching events and then experiencing them as a worker now and and seeing uh, how he thinks the industry is going right now and whatnot. So We'll just go ahead and kick it off right now. Kyle, what's going on, man? I'm glad you got to finally join me on this. I'm glad we got to make this happen. For sure, for sure. We've been uh, trying to plan this out, make this happen for the last uh, several weeks, I'd say upwards of a couple months, and uh, I'm glad we're finally getting to do it, for sure. Yeah, and I told people that I wanted to do this podcast based on just whatever was kind of on my mind, but I was going to keep it positive, and I was going to do things that I enjoy, fishing, faith, family, friends, football, basketball, whatever I wanted to talk about. And so um, obviously wanted to find a way to talk about fishing. And I think that uh, our relationship's cool and the way we met and how you got started with Bassmaster is kind of similar uh, to the way I got started. And that's one thing that I was interested in, in you sharing with others. So I was working at JM in 2017. That's when I started. Was in February and worked. You know, I'd already worked for Bassmaster for three years prior. I moved to Little Rock and started my endeavors with JM here, editing videos and such. And then in 2018, uh, you started showing up and sitting beside me in the office, and it was kind of like uh, never met you before in my life and uh, didn't know much about you, but I enjoyed getting to know you and, and seeing your passion for the sport directly. So how did you even get involved with JM Outdoors, which most people who are avid Bassmaster fans don't even know that the TV production entity of Bassmaster is named something other than Bassmaster. So how did you even get your foot in the door? Yeah, so uh, I graduated from the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville in uh, May of 2018. And uh, to finish up my degree requirement, I had to have a uh, – internship more or less a certain amount of hours certain amount of um you know days you had to work that kind of thing so ultimately whenever i finished school i knew without a doubt all i wanted to do was work in the fishing industry um and you know being being a part of college fishing and everything that's pretty cliche that's what a lot of people say but uh man i just um i just started firing off emails started trying to reach out to people and um for me i don't know it just I'm not going to say I'm a bigger Bassmaster fan than anybody else, but at the same point, like I understood what JM Associates was and understood that it was always in Little Rock and being from Hot Springs, only about an hour away, I uh, certainly reached out to JM Associates and uh, yeah, I think it caught a handful of people off guard. The people that I uh, met up with and kind of interviewed with for the internship kind of like, you know, were shocked that I even understood what JM Associates was and, you know, kind of where it came from. And, um, yeah, like I said, I uh, started that internship and in, I guess it had been like May of 18, June of 18, somewhere in that time frame. And um, yeah, ever since then, I guess, uh, you know, things have worked out pretty well. So with that, you got to sit sit beside me up at the office and we edited some videos. We went through some stuff. We ended up fishing together 
throughout that summer and fall and whatnot and got to know each other more on that level. And that was always good because I was still new to Little Rock, you know, in 2018. It's my going into my second year, but I have some, maybe some friends my age um, and some couples in Little Rock, but not avid anglers. So to have like, I was like, man, I might have a team. I might have a team derby partner or something um, one day. So we got to we got to experience that. And what have you been able to learn and and try out at JM? I know I know the answers to those questions, but it's it's good for you to explain like uh, some of the stuff you've got to experience because you you didn't go to school necessarily for TV production or video editing and whatnot. But I say there's two different trains of thought in the bass fishing industry is. You either love bass fishing and found a skill to be involved with a company, whether it's marketing, whether it's journalism, whether it's sales, whatever it is, you love bass fishing, so you find a way to be involved with the industry. And then there are other, the other uh, side of the spectrum is people who are really good at something and they're kind of assigned bass fishing or they kind of jump in the industry that way. And there are people that we work with, they love bass fishing now, but bass fishing might've been foreign to them at the beginning and they were just great video editors or they were great storytellers and, and, and things like that. So they have found their start that way for you. It's more of the fishing side and you found a way, but what have you been able to dabble in and what are kind of your roles? Cause you've worked two seasons of Bassmaster live now or basically a season and a half of helping with Bassmaster Live in uh, behind the scenes. Yeah, so um, like Ronnie said, I definitely went to school more or less to do uh, marketing, business relations, that kind of thing. Um, so like I said, I was just so passionate about bass fishing and uh, just, you know, ultimately my whole life been such a fan of Bassmaster and it has just been such a huge part of my life that, uh, you know, when I actually started my internship there at JM, I uh, definitely had next to no experience editing, doing the sorts of things that people get hired to do at JM. Um, with that being said, like, like Ronnie said, I, uh, I sat right next to him for an entire summer and he pretty much showed me the ropes, you know, showed me a lot of the editing software, um, you know, learned more than I ever thought I could have in terms of editing. And, you know, that's, that's such a long, um, long journey as it is that, uh, you know, I'm still learning, still trying to get better at that. But, um, but yeah, so the first year uh, in terms of Bassmaster Live, I worked in the actual Toyota studios where you see Tommy Sanders, Davey Hyde, Zona, obviously Ronnie and Such, and um, I ran the camera in there. So that wasn't um, – at first I thought that was going to be way in over my head, but I was taught pretty well how to use the camera, how to work it. Um, that was more or less my role towards the live production. And then afterwards I was up there – five five days a week easily i mean then you know obviously when we had the the elite events i would be up there for you know weeks on end but um you know post-production i'd say i helped bring in footage um you know be assigned some anglers to go through and clip clips and uh you know do a little light editing just to help out our actual editors because they are some of the best the best editors there are i mean if you watch bassmaster tv shows i mean you realize that uh they're crisp they're you know flawless as far as i'm concerned and, uh, you know, like I said, just anything I could do to help out, um, you know, around the office is, uh, pretty much what I specialized in, you know, I mean, like he said, I've certainly was no, uh, expert or specialist, but at the same rate, you know, I just wanted to do anything I possibly could to help out. And that's still my mentality now. One cool thing that we did from 2018 to 2019 Bassmaster Live was we implemented live mix, 
We basically had the great product of Bassmaster Live. You get to watch all the anglers, hear the commentary, learn some stuff about fishing, and, and you call it a day. Now you have two options, and you can watch Live Mix, which is no commentators, uh, just the anglers. If they're not talking, it's quiet. If they're talking, you're listening to what they're saying. And you've been able to work with that and Skype. We got to use more bonus coverage this year with Skype. And so 2019, you got to dabble in a, uh, the opposite ends of the spectrum of just running a camera in the studio um, with us. You got to experience that and really control it for the last half of the year. You got to call the shots and change the cameras and and you were the one making live mix happen other than actually getting it set up you were the one clicking and switching and so that was probably cool to be able to not only watch the day unfold and see the anglers but to also see the oh my gosh that was a big moment let me switch over there and he's he's hooked up right now no doubt no doubt and that was um yeah over the 2019 season definitely was handed a lot more responsibility um, pretty much to start the season, I kind of ran this, uh, you know, what we call the Skype machine, more or less, um, working with all the, uh, you know, the new um, technology technologies we had there. Of course, uh, that was that was super exciting because that was something we had done in the past, but not as, um, you know, as heavily. I would say. I mean, we would have in the course of a day over a Bassmaster Live event, we would have. I'd say probably two to three Skypes, Skype calls. And I know this year we were averaging closer to 10 to 15, somewhere in that range. Um, and like, yeah. like six, six a day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, that's why I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Upwards of 10 a day sometimes, you know, depending on where we're at, cell service, you know, that kind of thing. But then, yeah, like Ronnie said, towards the end of the season, got to, uh, to run the live mix, so to speak. And, um, and that was super cool. Like I said, being a fisherman, I, I, I really appreciate, you know, being able to watch these guys, from daylight, you know, from takeoff to, you know, check-in and, uh, you know, see the progressions of the day. And it just, it's just super cool to be able to switch around and you can just kind of, as a fisherman, you can kind of sense, uh, you know, if, uh, Keith Combs is coming up to a rocky point that's got some wind on it, like on, you know, on 10 killer, for instance, you just had a good feeling he might catch one here. And Let you me just up. go ahead and switch it over to yeah, him. Yeah. You have a good feeling he might catch one here. And, uh, you know, it was, it was super fun getting to do that because, it's not like I could call their shots or anything like that, but like I said, you kind of get a good feel for for what's going on, and you you feel like you're uh, you're running the show a little bit. And I definitely enjoy doing that. One huge thing that people love is highlights. They love watching the catches go up on social media during the day. That kind of keeps people interested, but it also when like ten killer, we were talking about ten killer when Carl Jacobson catches two or three good ones in a row and he's coming from third place and has a shot to win this thing and now he's he's in the lead halfway through the morning and we need to tell people about it all of a sudden we can see our Bassmaster live numbers start peaking and there are a lot more people watching they're wanting to see this thing happen and and Carl's bringing people to live and we're just trying to facilitate it by showing highlights you helped me a big time uh, a ton this year helping clip off those things because we did have more cameras than normal. We've never had a day one before other than the classic. And now we had six cameras day one. We had six more on day two. Then we had 10 on day three and 10 on day four. So all of a sudden we've got a lot more opportunities for highlights and I can only clip so many as I'm actually commentating or facilitating stats or doing whatever we're doing at the monitor. I need help sometimes clipping stuff that I'm not going to be able to see, and and you were able to see stuff that happened on live mix, and you'd be able to clip it off. So you were you were not just doing one thing. There were events where you were doing live mix, Skype, and clipping off highlights for me, putting them on the website and on uh, sending to me so I can so I can post them to social. So you were big in that as well. So that was cool for you to probably see that aspect of it. But 
One thing that I can say, and I've told you this a hundred times, we are very similar in that we want to be there. It's a job, same as everybody else. We check in, we get paid to do a certain task, and we do it. But our heartstrings are pulling at us, telling us to give the best effort. When we're tired, keep working hard because you love it. And you're, if you were a fan, you would want to see that. Mm-hmm. So instead of, so it's hard almost, your conscience is pulling at you like, mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm lazy and I don't swap cameras super quick just to show this guy culling, I would want to see that. Oh my gosh, someone's culling. He just popped in and he's got service and now he's culling. Let's just try to tell the story as best as we can. So that's one thing that, that keeps you motivated. And, and that's one thing that I admire is seeing other people who go the extra mile. A lot of people at our work that edit TV shows and whatnot, they are, like you said, the best in the game. And they, they don't cut any corners. People might think that they slack off if a show is not as good as it normally is or something. They might think that the changes are dumb, but there's a reason for them. And a lot of these guys have a, you know, like a vision and a pathway that they're wanting to take the show or the storyline for the event. So it's cool to see you kind of fit in and I'm going to go and help do this. I'm going to go and help do that. I'm going to go roll up these cords at the end of the day to help the crew finish quicker so we can get more rest and have a great day the next day. That's stuff that I did when I was a freelancer that, you know, eventually led to me getting a full-time role in the position I'm in now. And that's, that's something that can't be measured. People are always wanting to get paid a bunch of money right now for a task. And they're not going to do it for free because they don't want to be taken advantage of. But whereas we don't want to be taken advantage of, but we're like, hey, use me where you can. And I'd rather get paid pennies or I'd rather get paid, you know, later and do the task now than to say, no, I'm not going to do it. And then they hire someone else to do it. So I've always admired that about you is wanting to be there. And that's, you can't put a value on someone wanting to work for your company. So that's cool to see you go from emailing, cold emailing to be an intern to then working last year. And then, it, you know, it could turn into something in the future, uh, more of a full-time thing. And, and I'll so say that's, that, that's something that's cool. I'll say that too. Just, you know, kind of adding on this, maybe there's, um, some listeners that might be college age or kind of trying to figure out what they're trying to do. Um, don't put parameters on yourself too. I'll say that much just in the sense that I didn't know a single soul going into my internship at JM. Like I knew who you were. I knew who most everybody that worked, you know, worked there. At JM was from a you know a just from consumer yeah, perspective. Yeah, Tommy's own. Yeah, yeah. But like I, I didn't had no connections. Had no real um, in, you know, so to speak. So don't don't think that just because you don't have all the connections or you don't have all the you know the the pieces to put the puzzle together. Like don't you know don't feel like you can't do it. Like I, I would have never in a million years been you know expected to have these opportunities and do the things I've got to do and meet the people I've met and and everything but I mean like I said all I did was uh shot my shot you know I mean you hear the the term shooter shoot I mean that's all you can do is you know keep trying and you know Oh, it's a good thing that you didn't know me because I would have never been able to get you in the door anyways. You knew the guy that was the right guy to email, which is Howard, our unsung unsung hero behind the scenes. You're lucky that the email went to him because uh, if I had to pull strings, I don't carry as much weight as people think. And Howard is uh, the guy that no one knows, but everyone, if you work at JM, you know how important uh, he is to the the team. So that's a good thing that you didn't know me because – I don't know if I'd have gotten you as far as you got. He he probably gets tired of hearing me tell him how much I appreciate him and how much I appreciate everything 
he's done for me because I mean you know he's he's a super good guy and everything and um, yeah like I said without him just responding to an email you know from a kid who just wanted a chance um, definitely would have would have never had that opportunity but you know I'll forever be grateful for that so that you were you're mentioning you were a kid from college so you went to Arkansas you grew up in Hot Springs region of the country so you went just a few hours north to Fayetteville to go to school there you fished as well but you also played baseball so kind of quickly go through your your background of was fishing super important to you growing up or was it more of a side thing with baseball and then how you eventually found your path back to fishing through through different uh you know events sure so uh so bass fishing has always been a part of my life since i could since I was physically capable of going bass fishing, uh, my dad's always had a bass boat, always been passionate about bass fishing. But like, like Ronnie mentioned there, um, I was super, super serious about playing baseball all the way through, you know, growing up from the time I was eight years old, the time I graduated high school. I mean, I was playing constant travel baseball, showcase baseball, um, you know, just trying to play the highest level I possibly could. And when I graduated high school, I signed to play at Crowder Junior College, which is in Neosho, Missouri. Um, it's a top tier like baseball junior college. You know, they're typically in the you know top ten, top twenty five each year, preseason, postseason doesn't matter. Um, they make it to the World Series pretty frequently. Um, like I said, just ultimately a really good baseball program. And I went there in my freshman year. Um, like you hear so many people say, you just kind of get bit by the injury bug. Um, during my time in high school, I'd had three reconstructive knee surgeries. Then I went to college and played baseball. And then that spring, I played about nine games and um, officially had the dagger put in my knee and kind of had to, to hang it up. But, you know, what drives me ultimately is competition. So whenever whenever I was done playing baseball, um, you know, one thing that I'd always had less of an opportunity to do was fish tournaments just because of the fact that most tournaments are during the springtime. Uh, that's also when baseball is being played. So to actively prefer, per, excuse me, pursue bass fishing, you know, competitively, it was just never really an option for me. I fished all the time during the spring, the fall, I even fished tournaments in the fall and the winter with my dad, but just never had the opportunity to do that. Um, and I can remember sitting there having a conversation with my dad um, you know, just heartbroken over the fact that I knew like I was going to have to, you know, quit playing baseball. And, um, whenever that happened, he told me straight up, he said, I'll like help you do whatever it takes, um, you know, financially or, you know, whatever help you need to pursue like bass fishing. Cause you've never had that opportunity. I know it's something you're passionate about. So then like Ronnie said, I meant, I ended up going to the university of Arkansas in Fayetteville, which is actually really close to Crowder. Um, so I was still able to, you know, kindle friendships with my buddies and, you know, keep up with all my friends that I played with, but at the same time pursue bass fishing. So, um, you know, that was, was crazy. As like I said, I, I fished tournaments growing up, but like I went from having the opportunity to fish very few tournaments just via scheduling and everything to, you know, my sophomore year of college, it was, uh, getting the left lane and, you know, get after it because I mean, I fish tournaments all the time. I mean, they're in, in Arkansas college series, you know, Bassmaster college series, FLW, you name it. I tried to fish as much as I possibly could. Um, so yeah, that was, like I said, ultimately to me, it's competition and it just like filled that void. And that was something I'd always been super passionate about. And I was just, you know, thankful to have the opportunity. You know, I felt like it was, it was a blessing to have that opportunity when, you know, something was taken away, you know, it kind of opened another door that I never, you know, 
You said uh, Neosho, Missouri. Isn't the Neosho, if I'm correct, doesn't that flow into or from Grand, Grand Lake? Yes, yeah. let's yeah. go. I Grand knew Lake. that's yeah. random facts would pay off. So <laughs> sure I was like, I knew that name from somewhere, and I was yeah. like, I'm pretty sure that's a river over there <laughs> that flows into Grand. It is. So, uh, so yeah, you you obviously fished, um, and you fished with a couple people that we knew in common. Like I didn't know you. But I had covered your teammate Travis mm-hmm. in an event, Travis or Harry, you yeah. know, and I had fished against him for part of my time, and then it kind of they just overlapped and whatnot. And uh, for you, when did you think like I want to work in the fishing industry? I know that tournaments became a big thing for you, but like with your marketing and business degree, you were probably wanting to find a spot somewhere. And we've talked, you know, you don't have to mention specific places, but you know, there's there's Arkansas. Even though the fishing isn't that great in Arkansas as other states, fishing was born in Arkansas. Sure, fishing. You know, yeah. so many boat brands, so many bait brands, so many iconic anglers, the Cluns, the Nixons, the the all uh, you know, the Cochrans, all these different guys, Bobby Murray, all these guys were from this region and maybe it's because it's tough fishing. It translates everywhere that hey, when it is tough back in the day or the odds are against you guys from Arkansas seem to do well or guys from this region. And so sure. fishing is a hotbed here. Uh, it's not like it doesn't get a bunch of participation. There's quite a few avid anglers sure. here because sure. this is this is kind of an important area to, to fish in in general. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, I mean, the best way to put that is, I mean, bass fishing carries a lot of weight in the state of Arkansas, no question about it. Um, and, you know, that was... So to answer your question in terms of uh, when it kind of like clicked that I wanted to work in the fishing industry. Um, so through college, I actually sold furniture uh, as a job, which which was something I could have never imagined getting into just because, okay, one, I, I knew nothing about furniture other than just the, the bare minimum. And this, this wood looks sturdy. <laughs> yes, sir. You can yeah. get that cat. Absolutely. Yeah. You should buy this. <laughs> but it made me realize that I was actually, you know, way better at, you know, selling furniture and just being a salesperson and and, uh, you know, helping people out than I would have ever thought I was, you know, I, I naturally kind of stepped into that role and, and did really well. And, uh, you know, the, the train of thought that I always had was if I can do this well, selling something that I don't know really anything about, like take something like fishing, something that I'm super passionate about and, you know, whatever branch that may be, like, you know, obviously it's media now, but let's say um, selling boats, uh, being a product manager for a big company or big conglomerate, anything like that, like I feel like I could really excel at just because it's something I'm passionate about, something I know a lot about. Um, and like You don't I said, have to fake it. You, you know, know yeah, you, exactly. you can sell a exactly. spinner bait because you know exactly what no, you know. No question. And, and being a fisherman, you know, at the same rate just definitely helps that. And, uh, and like I said, I think that was when it kind of clicked to me. Like I'm, I'm going to go all in on this and I'm going to really uh, – you know, it may not turn out the exact way I have it planned in my head, but like, just be, um, you know, just be mindful that this is what I want to do and just go, like I said, just full fledged, you know, towards the fishing industry. For sure. Well, that's fantastic. And I look forward to working Bassmaster Live with you this year for 2020. Uh, at minimum, that should be fun. And it'll be another year of evolution and change at Bassmaster. That's one thing that I've noticed that 
I love to try new things. I love to push myself. I like to experience. That's what's funny is I was hired as the Bass Track Boy. <laughs> That's We'll just call it what it is. I was the Bass Track Boy. No one else wanted to lug around 50 phones and pass them out back in the day before we had apps. And I would be the one that was willing enough to do it. And then you just get around the events and you see what you can do. You can see hey, I can take a GoPro and I can walk around and take some photos while I collect the phones and anglers are pulling fish out of there and I can have maybe a gallery and then, oh, this that was fun. Let me buy an actual camera. My parents helped me buy a camera and I'm still in college, you know, because I started working when I was a junior sure. and, and senior in college. So, I, you know, and then you get a camera and you start doing more galleries and then all of a sudden your third year, they're like, we we want you 100% like out on the water if you could still do Bass Track, that would be awesome. So then you, you don't get rid of roles. You just absorb other roles. And now I'm the sure. Bass Track boy, the blogging guy, and the and sure. taking photos because that's just what we do. You mm-hmm. just find ways to work. And then you get you get hired to Little Rock. And I, now I edit video exclusively almost 100% of the time and then commentate. So now I've, gotten, I've got the experience of just hustling with Bass Track and knowing that system. And I'll never forget it because I've gone through this the spiel a hundred thousand times. Right. So I've got that. You've got photos, blogging, stories, video editing, shooting video, and now commentating. It's like, well, it's been six years, and now I've touched every single aspect of <laughs> right. of the of the industry media wise. Basically, so, the Swiss Army knife of bass fishing. And, just uh, Bassmaster Media, the master of none, willing to do all. <laughs> That's what the, the master of none, willing to do everything, and so. That's cool that you've kind of already experienced two or three different things in your first, you know, year and a half working with Bass and JM. So now that we've kind of established who you are and kind of how you've got to where you are right now, I'm going to go a little rapid fire, rapid fire when it comes to bass fishing history and uh, kind of your preferences on things. There's a lot of awesome moments in bass fishing. There's a lot of awesome anglers. And so some of these questions will be, you know, kind of your personal preference on on who you enjoyed and, and different things. But first off, did you ever go to a Bassmaster Classic before you started working with Bass? You've obviously gone to uh, the one in Knoxville with sure. us uh, in 2019, and you'll go to Gunnersville this year for the your second one working. Did you go to any prior? And if so, uh, what was kind of the biggest takeaway from those? So I've been to two prior. Um, I The 2009 Classic in Shreveport, uh, one by... Uh, Skeet Reese. Skeet Reese, correct, yes. correct. Lily pad stems with spinnerbait, yeah. <laughs> that place so, is totally uh, just sanded, yeah. Yeah, sand and yeah. chocked and you not, can't even get in there. Not the same fishery now. And then when I was in college, uh, 2015 would have been the Edwin Evers Classic on Grand Lake. Um, being that 16. I was, was it 16? 16. Yeah, okay. 15 was Hartwell. 16 15 was grand. the coldest class. Yes. Yeah, 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 16. Yeah. Yes. I do apologize. I apologize. <laughs> Apparently my, I gotta uh, keep my you, statistics are off. Got to keep you in line. <laughs> so, uh, those two I went to previously and those, those two played a big role, um, in terms of, you know, my love for bass and, you know, being around it. I don't think you can put a price tag on what it's like actually going to the Bassmaster Classic. Um, you know, I've I've watched every TV show that's you know you could possibly watch from the Bassmaster Classic, um, but you know the reality is being there, like seeing the you know feeling the atmosphere, uh, the expo, the weigh-ins, takeoff. I mean, it is it is a surreal experience, and I can certainly remember in 2016 at Grand Lake. <laughs> that's right. Um, that was that was definitely a a game changer for me as well. That was a big turning point. You know, going to that event and you know. Um, those different storylines just oh, at that – that was sure. my first classic on the water and because the first classic I worked was just 
Bass Track and the War Room. Yeah. I got to experience Randy Howe on the bridge. We yeah. we we whipped a Yui because we were like somebody's got twenty two pounds before we left the before <laughs> we left the ramp. You yeah. know, to head to Birmingham <laughs> for the War Room, and we were able to watch that unfold. He catch a couple fish in front of us, and then fifteen. We were in the studio. Thank goodness because it was the coldest classic <laughs> Freezing, ever. Yeah. Twelve degrees or something. Trailers getting stuck on the on the our boats getting stuck on the trailers, and then sixteen with. Christy doing as well as he was, and then all of a sudden, just like his final day, so many boats following him, that unravels, and and, and Evers has that giant bag of fish oh, yeah. on that final day. That's one thing that is so underestimated, and we've talked about it. A lot of people have covered it, but those moments, like I used to say, man, it's going to be so cool to see someone's life change today at the Bassmaster Classic when they win, but I've changed my tone over the last two years because – it's not just one person's life changing when they win the Bassmaster Classic. It's twenty to thirty to forty thousand people's lives changing because they no were doubt. there to witness that moment. No I know for me, my first ever classic at Lay Lake in two thousand ten, uh, in person was when Kevin Van Dam won in Beeswax back there, oh, yeah. and, and every top 10 competitor was in the same creek within 10 feet, and they were just the only place on the lake they were biting. To see it unfold and to see stuff on the water and then to see the winning moment in the arena, it is forever life-changing. So yeah. it's not just one person's life-changing forever. It's 30,000 people at minimum, their lives change when they're there. And we got to see that in 2019 at uh, the Classic here uh, in Knoxville. That Mm -hmm. was super fun to experience that, uh, the highs and the lows and the Ot Defoe taking the lead. Uh Uh-oh, the local's going to run away with it. And then he doesn't catch crap day two. And now it's like, uh uh-oh, he's human. Will he win? And then he catches a big bag on the final day and, and takes the lead again. Those are some of those special moments that you'll never forget on those stage. I think it was a... This year, Iconelli had like that flurry. Oh, yeah. We had a camera Caught on him. He didn't catch him that great. And then he had the day two. We literally had an hour of his marshal Skype. skyped yeah. in the yeah. man. And we got to witness that crazy moment and some of those things in Zaldane's giant bag of fish on the swim bait. And we're oh, like, yeah. so many things. And so when you go to one, and you get to see those things wherever you see the footage at, whether it's on a jumbotron, whether it's on the water, whether it's at the weigh-in, You'll like never forget oh, those it, things. It it's the, it's the coolest sure. thing. Like I told the people when I moved to JM, I was like, I've been on ESPN before. This is you know, it was my first ever college TV shoot. You know, and this the summer, right? You know, a week after I turned twenty one, I'm like, yeah, I've uh, I've been on TV prior to this, and they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, I was the screaming kid in the final day of the classic. I can Ellie's last fish. I'm out on the water, and you can hear me screaming. And we go and we find it in the show. Like in five minutes, it takes Jeez. us to find it. And I'm like, there I was, and they're like, that's awesome. And I'm like, this is like a part of my my blood. Sure. You know, this is this yeah. is that. So to now experience it on the other side of it, I grin and I smile. Because I know fans are giddy with excitement when they see it, but I'm also like a kid in a candy store because I'm like, this could not play out any better. Like the storylines from 2019, but the classic and just yeah. those big moments. So those are two good classics for you to go to as a fan. Because, no um, you know, you obviously had a gap in between those. Kind of your 2009 probably set you off onto loving fishing even more. And then sure. you had your whole like grown years of, yeah. of college, of high, high ending school, high school college, and then college. Yeah, yeah. And then you get a, a newfound respect in the middle of college when you, sure. when you watch that other one. Yeah. And that, that definitely, like I said, had a big part in, uh, you know, trying to decide what I wanted to do, just being there, being around it. Um, you know, 
it just made it just lit the fire that much more for me to want to work um you know not only just in the fishing industry but obviously Bassmaster JM being right there at the top of the list. I mean, I've told a lot of people that. Like I said, I, I sent off a lot of emails, got in contact with a lot of people, but there was a there was a one A, um, you know, so to speak, on my list, and it was definitely uh, definitely to work with Bassmaster and JM. So, like I said, just super appreciative to have that opportunity. And super blessed, really. So we asked them. I asked about the uh, your classic experiences. Now I'm kind of interested to know maybe the biggest moments uh, or your most favorite anglers like people that have kind of left a mark on you everyone's got that angler that they're a fan of but then everyone's got that angler they're a fan of for other reasons and so i'm i'm interested to see like an angler that you kind of latched onto as a fan or one that you had like an in-person experience with at an expo or whatever that's kind of like you know i got to see Oh, someone's real personality, and that was really cool. But who are some of your favorite anglers of all time? If you could list two or three, maybe yeah, maybe four yeah, or five. Yeah. So it, it's it's funny because obviously somebody like Ronnie obviously knows the the uh, the people that fish the elites here. You know the anglers and everybody involved super super well, and he's he's kind of uh, supplemented that to me to where I've got to meet a lot of guys, talk to people. Um, you know, I'd say even like you know friends acquaintances with these people as well so it's it's weird not saying some of the people that i know personally now as like my favorite fisherman but people i grow i grew up you know really enjoying um so greg hackney was right at the top of that list i know uh arkansas yeah for sure just like the grittiness i don't know i just like something about him like you know big rod big line like flipping just Real, just very. I don't know, I don't know why that word. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Feared in the five in, fish, like in the five fish format. We're not going to get into all that stuff. But when when he would take the stage, yeah. And you're like, this is a flipping derby, and he's got three rods with sixty pound, eighty pound braid on there. Yeah. I am fearing for my life for now. Sure. That that's a that's a big a big factor. If you look at the the anglers I'm about to name, uh, an intimidation factor has a huge role in it. Um, number two would probably be Jason Christie. Another reason I loved and hated the 2016 classic because <laughs> one, he obviously had the spotlight the whole time. And then I just, I hated seeing that, seeing, uh, you know, not that I have any, you know, I was happy for Edwin to win the, the classic, of course. It's just so way it, it happened. Yeah. It just, it was just heartbreaking to see that. I hate it for that guy that was felt on like the you, bank. Yeah. <laughs> you had it. Like you just felt like you had it. Um, and you know, just you know, not even that he lost it; he just got beat. You know, well, this is the way you can put. Yeah, that he would have needed twenty pounds, yeah, but unbelievable day just to to keep pace with what Edwin did. Um, and then I would say, if we're gonna, I'll name three, and I'll say the third one would be uh, Brandon Polnick. I've just always really, really, uh, you know, I've been inspired by his story, and I feel like anybody that bass fishes can be inspired by his story. And somebody that I've actually got to speak with a handful of times, and. Uh, you know he's he's helped me out in a couple of situations with those yeah. you know, photos being tell signed. that tell that story yeah, yeah. okay so because um, that's an Arkansas connection directly right here in Hot Springs sure but but Pollock's from Idaho yeah absolutely so um, I grew up with a kid named Bryce Briggs um, he was two years younger than I was and um, he passed away in a tragic um, explosion accident it was like a bonfire and um, the fire had caught some gas and he was like right there when it happened and. Um, you know, had severe burnt burns and wounds and everything. And they had to send him to the children's hospital. And, uh, he was in super, super bad shape to the point that, you know, he passed away would have been 2000. Uh, I might be wrong on the dates, but I think it's 2017 ish time frame. Um, and 
he and I fished together a lot. He's super passionate bass fisherman, loved bass fishing. Um, he and I went out as much as we possibly could, basically the same way Ronnie and I are now. I mean, we went as much as we could. Um, and his favorite fisherman by far was Brandon Polnick. Always like, it, it's, it's weird. Bryce actually like looked like Brandon Polnick, like was shorter, <laughs> like, like built, like, I mean, I'm talking everything about him was like almost like spot on with Brandon Polnick. And, uh, he was always such a big fan and his dad, um, ever since his passing has still kept up with Brandon and, and, um, you know, always comments on his social media and, you know, very supportive and very positive. And, um, you know, being in the situation I was in, I thought, you know, I can, I can probably do something with this. You know, I know Ronnie's good friends with Brandon and, uh, you know, I feel like I can probably do something for their foundation. It's the live like Bryce foundation. They have a big bass fishing tournament every year here on Lake Washita. And, uh, I just thought like, there's something I can do. So, uh, I, I asked Ronnie, I said, Hey, is there any way you could hook me up with, uh, with BP and have him sign some like eight by 10, like, you know, high quality photos and, you know, maybe put like live like Bryce on there, or, you know, you know, something of that nature. And, uh, Brandon was super, super accommodating to that, you know, was, you know, was going out of his way to make that happen. So at, at the media days there at, uh, the classic last year, I uh, went up to him and, you know, chit chat with him for a little while and he signed those photos and, you know, was super anxious to hear back and, you know, hear from, you know, me giving those photos to Bryce's dad and, uh, you know, I that I know that that was uh, that meant a lot to Bryce's dad, and you know it was a it was a really cool moment. And even before that, I'd just been such a big fan of Polnick as a fisherman. So like, you know, it's, it was just a really awesome moment. And like I said, just something you just like respect forever and you know cherish forever. That's the thing is like people sign up to be a professional bass fisherman, and being a role model comes second. They don't think about that when they decide to make that decision. They're like, "Hey, I can catch bass better than most people locally, regionally, and I can try to challenge nationally." So I'm going to become a pro. But then they realize the uh, the level of accountability that and responsibility they have of being a role model, like. Charles Barkley always says it like I'm a I was a professional basketball player I wasn't a role model I didn't sign up to be no role model and they say it like that because those yeah. are the people who didn't want the the accountability sure. aspect of it but that actually means a lot to most professional athletes or anglers and, and sure. things like that no so to see those guys take a a liking to someone or to do something that doesn't benefit them and if Brandon Polinick didn't sign those photos. His dad would still be just the biggest oh, fan of Brandon. It was sure. nothing against him. But doing that creates a bond for life, not a fan for life. He would have already been a fan for life. It creates a bond for life. And so that's a unique thing that fishermen have. Because our, our community isn't huge sure. and it's so tightly knit that one personal instance that can bond you together changes your life forever. Like I, I remember – taking photos with Mike Iaconelli and Gerald Swindle yeah. when I was wearing my little button-up Ranger, you know, your your tournament jersey that had patches that you had to, your, my <laughs> you mom had to sew on. Yeah. They yeah. sew on there and it has my name on it and they signed my, my deal and it's like I'd wear that all the time. Sure. And now to have a photo with certain anglers – when I'm grown and I'm bigger than them and I'm now I'm 26 years them, old, yeah. you know, and I cover yeah. them in a professional aspect sure. to, to show them those photos and be like, I was that kid with braces that wanted to be like you and that I screamed and yelled when I caught fish because you screamed yeah. and yelled when you yeah. caught fish. And those are the things that you can always cherish in the industry. And so I know that that's big time for you 
uh, to be able to have that personal connection with Brandon and to see him kind of never really, I guess, forget where he came from, you know, because sometimes that, that can happen and, and there'll sure. be all, everyone always has laps of judgment when they forget where they came from or who they are. Um, but they're always, you can always tell if that goes away quickly and then they're back to who they are, that it was just a time in their life or whatever. But some guys just always have that affliction for kids, mm-hmm. for the college series, for different things that they want to give back to. Like, I feel like I'm a huge college fishing advocate because sure. without college fishing, I would not have my job. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have had the connections. I wouldn't have been able to meet the staff at Bass as a guy going through the tanks and the weight line, uh, and the bag line and stuff. If I didn't meet them there. I wouldn't work with them now because they wouldn't know who Ronnie Moore was. And yeah. so I'm always thankful for those opportunities. And so I know that for Brandon to reach out and do that meant a lot to, to you, but also Bryce's dad. So um, that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting yeah. group of guys. But I feel like if it was a three-on-three squad, those are pretty three <laughs> intimidating guys. No, yeah. No. yeah, like I said, the intimidation factor <laughs> means a lot. Uh, just I don't know. It's just one of those things. Like any bass fisherman has experienced this, like, you know, taken off at launch. Like there's always the, even in your local derbies, there's there, you look across the way and you see that guy and you're just like, man, like that guy's going to be hard to beat. Or like, there's just an, a certain intimidation factor. And like, as a fisherman, that'd be like something I aspire to be, um, you know, is have that Dale Arnard factor. pulls up in your right. mirror. You're like, Oh my God, yeah. not today. No, please do <laughs> like, not, not like, today. Like that, to me, that just like, that pulls a lot of weight. Um, and uh, I, that definitely, you know, is a big reason as to, you know, some of the favorites. And that's the thing. It's like, it's hard to say. It's hard to narrow it down to three. I mean, if I, it, you For know, once sure. we finish this, I'll probably start thinking like, oh, yeah. them, them, them. 2A, 2B, 2C. I grew up loving Skeet Reese because of that classic. Like, I was always yeah. a huge fan. Like, a matter of fact, um, Abu Garcia made a special Skeet Reese edition <laughs> Revo, and I saved up for like an entire year when I was in eighth or seventh or eighth, you know, whenever I was, you know, that was. And uh, I went to Trader Bill's, the actual the, the store that I also work at now, and uh, and saved up all my money and, and bought one of those reels, like a $300 reel at the time, which was super expensive. And uh, I still have the reel. And it's like things like that. I can always see that and think like, man, like that was that was a neat, you know, a neat experience and just a neat thing that uh, that uh, I'll always be able to hold on to. Yeah, and I think that there are guys like Gerald Swindles, one of them for me, like of for my sure. three favorites, and that's from other things. Like I loved just how charismatic on stage and how funny yeah. he was, and he always brought it, and how real he was too. Sure. There's a respect factor for a guy that's going to go up on stage and take accountability for zeroing in a classic on his home lake and getting kicked in the teeth and crying or or making mistakes and, and owning up to them and no and going through those. That's the thing. They Those guys, I can only use the swindles, they'll get a bad rap from people, but they they have the highest of highs when they're on their game and they have the lowest of lows when they're not because they wear their emotions on their sleeve. And I feel like that is me to a T. Like I love it. And when I go fish a local tournament, I am really ticked off when I don't catch it. I'm like, (laughs) I'm literally so angry right now. I might go dump the boat back in and the first fish that bites is going to get it. You know, like, and I know these guys just wear their emotions on their sleeve and it's, that's what's made them who they are is because they've been so real with you. They don't mask it, you know, and, and that's to me, 
it opens you up to a lot of awesomeness and it opens you up to a lot of dark places. Sure. And so for them to be able to do that as long as they have, those two guys have always been some of my favorites. And now that I know every angler in the industry, it's hard to make a three or a four or a five, you know, but it's like there's certain moments that you'll always share with certain guys that, that just mean the world to you. Sure. And that's, that's the one thing I, I, you know, Ronnie, I know will know exactly what I'm saying when I say this, but you know, if, if a pro comes by the studio or like, um, you know, even just doing my job like Bassmaster Live or whatever, if I call Chris Zaldane, like it's hard for me not to be like nervous, even though it's like my <laughs> professional like job to, you know, call him and like get him on the show or this, that and the other. And then, you know, for for example, Chris Zaldane's like one of the nicest dudes on planet Earth. But like, you know, it's hard for me not to still be a fan. And I, I think that um, whenever I lose that is like when I, I'll probably like lose happiness with bass fishing and I don't think it'll ever happen. Like I don't think it doesn't matter how many times, I, you know, how many events I've worked in studio. I'm still just in awe that I'm in the same room working with Tommy Sanders and Davey height and Mark Zona and Ditto. You know, yourself. And it's just crazy. Um, so that's one of those things. Like I, I just, I definitely like hope and pray that I never lose that because like, this just means so much to me and like the, you know, the Bassmaster Shield and everything. It just, it just means more in my opinion. And that's just a, well, and for me, I'll say that the more you work with Bassmaster and JM, the more you become a fan. It doesn't fade away because, because you see more of the guys you're exposed to more behind the scenes to every moment of them on the water, the highs and the lows. One of my favorite things in the world was following a guy on the water when everyone from his flotilla is leaving and it's my job to cover the story, whether he's winning sure. or he's losing his lead. But I don't know how many times I've been out there and the guys are leaving and he looks back and he's like, well, it's just you and me. And I'm like, <laughs> just, just head down, keep yep. fishing, man. Like just, you know, I'm, I'm here taking photos, but like, uh, but don't, don't, you know, and, and you kind of almost want to cry. Like, oh, yeah. you know, you're, you're, I'm watching Bill Lowen and everyone's flocking to him at the Chesapeake Bay. Is this going to be the time Bill Lowen wins? He's got a giant he's, – he's got the biggest bag of the tournament in the first two hours. Sure. Aaron Martins doesn't have a fish, and he's sitting there, and he's, he's catching them, and everyone's on him. And at about 11 o'clock, all of a sudden, people start leaving, start and he's happening. like, ah, something's happening, bro. And I'm like, ah, I don't even want to tell you. I was like, I, I'm sitting here like, you know, like, ah, dude, just keep catching them. Like, just, I, I can't tell you that Aaron's caught a seven and he has the biggest bag of the tournament and, and the lead that you once took over, he's got back. And so you living those tough moments with those guys, giving them a hug when they walk off the stage and they're, they're in tears, those moments bond you together more than the highs. Sure. Because... Everyone wants to be the fan of the winner. Yeah, no one 100%. wants to be the fan of Kyle Monty when he gives up the lead. But everyone wants to support Carl, Carl Jacobson when he yeah. wins. But the guys, you know, Carl, I mean, uh, Kyle will always remember the one or two boats that stayed with him sure. all day at 10 Killer when he gave up the lead. And that's no, not that. like a, I'm not a good enough angler. That happens. The more you have a chance to win, the more you're going to lose. Sure. And so he will always admire that gray and blue skeeter that followed him around all day or that red and white phoenix that hung with him when everyone else left and it impacts pros and i see it now when i'm at the bassmaster meeting and you have the rookies come in or the guys who are quiet who maybe don't have a crowd of anglers wanting to hang out with them i love walking over to them because they're like whoa ronnie moore's walking over i'm like 
bro, shut your mouth. Like, don't, <laughs> don't treat me like that because I'm just Ronnie Moore. I'm not something special. I'm just here to hang out. And I'm coming over to talk to you because you're a Bassmaster Elite Series pro. 100%. And you have something to tell. You have a story to tell. And so I love walking over to the guys who don't expect to get walked over to. And we have a 20-minute conversation. And then when someone big time walks by or something that they would classify big time, you just shake their hand. And you're like, hey, man, I'll talk to you later. I'm, I'm going to let me finish up. And they're like, whoa. You know, and so there are so many budding stars that are around the bend um, with Bassmaster that I'm so excited because people were apprehensive of welcoming new stars and the change of the old regime that used to be really great fading away in their older years and then new guys coming up that they don't know as much. So it's kind of uncomfortable. That's me. Yeah, there there are going to be people who are like, who in the heck is talking on on Bassmaster Live when Tommy Sanders retires one day? Like, why is this person talking? It's not the same, and it'll hurt my heart, but then it'll make me work harder. And so these sure. same anglers that are taking it, they're the first ones through the door of the for new sure. regime. It means something to them for people to experience those lows with just as much as the highs. No doubt, no doubt. And I, and you know to go back to what you're saying, I, I love that because I can remember being at the the media day of the classic this past year and talking to guys like Brad Wally and uh, Garrett Puckett and some of those guys that were there. And you know you see all these flocks of media at this you know at this point nobody knows who I am, and that's still really the way it is. But I'm just kind of just the guy just kind of wandering around, like I said, even as a fan. Like it was hard for me with a you know credentials patch on not to come up to these guys. And be like, hey man, you mind getting a picture? Like, <laughs> but the reality of it is, is like. I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, like these guys that aren't getting any attention. Those are those are going to be the guys this year. They like, got a story to tell. This, yeah, yeah, beyond yeah. this week, like those are the guys. Like I vividly remember talking, me, you, and uh, Brad Watley sitting there talking, and you know, facilitating uh, some information to like um, try to get him on Skype more. And like he, it was something he actively like wanted to do was like try to get on as much as possible. And it was like, you know, I've you know we still link up and stuff now but that was it, just talking to people like that it just makes you appreciate it because like you said obviously there's so much changing um but you know those guys like hit it so hard this year and, and in my opinion just watching them knocked it out of the park that it was like you just love it because these guys weren't supposed to be anything aren't supposed to be anything and they just killed it this year and it's i don't know it's something super exciting to be a part of you know that's that's the way i, I view it and it's the same it's kind of the same thing I was saying earlier. It's like competition is like one of the main driving like motivators in my life for anything. Like I just want to be good at what I do and like be like the best at it. So this year, like competition, like, you know, sparked up pretty much instantly trying to do the absolute best we, you know, you could to produce a TV show that like you mentioned earlier, like I, I think of it as when I was the consumer, you know, when I was in college and when Bassmaster Live was, you know, just getting started up, it's like, what would I want to see? Like, that's the kind of thing that I would, I would want to see. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep live mix rolling until, until there's no cameras left, just because it's one of those things. Like what would, you know, would Kyle, the consumer want to see? And, uh, it's just one of those things that just, it's super awesome to, to be a part of now. I think it's crazy how, like, I can remember so much. I have such a great memory and I'm afraid that I'll lose it one day. And so I want to write down, I want to record, I want to have so many videos. So I remember, but like you can think about those different things. Brad Watley with the freaking handlebar mustache, like we're like, that's awesome. That was his thing for a portion of the year, sure. you know? And like, 
Patrick Walter saying that's for America, cause like you know, like yeah, I know 100%. these guys, but they all had their moment. Derek Hudnall at Fork saying the, the clock's right, yeah. the clock's right. He's throwing a spinner bait, and it's high noon, and he starts catching them, and we're like, Derek this Hudnall's does not man. make sense, you yeah. know. And you're like, so it, it's <laughs> really cool. Doing? Yeah, why are you? What is? This guy really doesn't know what he's. Oh, six pounder. Okay, so never mind. Uh, I can sorry. remember. I can actually remember skyping him before we actually had a live camera in the boat, and I remember asking him some questions. I'll sometimes facilitate some questions so that they have something to talk about if we're showing them on live mix. And I was so just like confused by what he was doing that the questions I was asking just I was just like I don't even know how to explain what he's got going on here. So the kind of questions I'm asking you are just gonna be real general, man. Like I don't even. Uh, you're doing something that I'm. I'm lost. Three, two, one, go. Just, just talk. Just yeah, talk, Derek. Go for it, man. So that's that's really cool. Is like already, you know, even Stetson and some people that you get to glow, grow closer to. The quietest have got like Micah Frazier. Sure. Like have some great stories to tell. Another guy we talked they're to just, at the, the media know, day, yeah. They're just not ones that are maybe as loud as others or they're not ones that you're going to flock to. But when you do, you're like, man, that was a really good conversation. Like I learned sure. a lot or like I enjoyed that and Drew Benton and some of these guys. And so – it's cool to see the opens guys and to see them here and then see their motivation. I love seeing the new crop, new crop of guys because they're like, I got to make my way, so I'm going to do whatever I can. And I'm like, yes, we need more motivated guys sure. to produce video or to do whatever. And and it's cool. And you know, you got the the new personal best. I love doing this Christmas <laughs> countdown thing with awesome, the best man. catches because I'm like, this is just another reason. This is how things come up at work. Ronnie's sitting here like, How's another way that we can watch these awesome clips over and over again? Let's just make a top twenty-five because I'm bored and I want to do some more. And I'm like, oh, I just get to watch. Yeah, yeah, do this. Let's roll it back. I'm like, yes, you know. And you get to see the the (laughs) awesome bedfish catches and the the moments of the days. And you're like, when you're when you're clipping those things off, you're like. God, there's like 47 other things that cannot fit in the top 25 fish catches. Yeah. Otherwise, it would not be the top 25 was, fish that catches. That was something Ronnie and I had talked about. You know, he'd ask my opinion of, um, you know, kind of narrowing it down to the top 25 catches. And I can remember sitting there and, you know, having watched each day of the 25 days of Christmas, and I'll see somebody that's day. 20 or 19 i'm like how is that only day 19 yeah, like, how? Just like, wait. i feel like that was one of the best <laughs> catches of the year like drew benton's like a uh, bed fishing yeah catch. like that was probably one of my favorite catches the entire season and i don't remember what day it was but it, i know it's it's, it's already like, been it was like oh yeah yeah, yeah. it was so, like the fifth or sixth yeah. day of the so month I was yeah. like, how i was like that was probably like for me maybe my favorite catch of the year just because it was like it was so early on of the first day of the event, and it was like, boom. Like, that's how we're doing it. Like, that's what's happening right now. This like, is how the season's going to start. I, I just loved it. It was one of my favorite catches ever. I'll never forget it. Um, I love a couple fans who are, like, fan favorites of certain anglers, and they're like, oh, that should be number one. I'm like, ah, wait till you see yeah. Wait till you see what's coming relax, up. Like, ah, relax. yeah. Everybody you know, like, calm down. Uh, no, I've waited for some pushback, but that's what's awesome about it is certain catches mean certain things. Yeah, Somebody could have sure. gotten a plastic worm from Drew Benton, and they followed his career since then, and he catches one, and they're like, that was so cool. Was you know, Or, or th- it could be a great 10-pounder, but they didn't see it live. When you watch that live in the moment, on bet, we're like, oh, yeah. That's how he's going to start. Okay, <laughs> yeah. sounds good. Let's start yeah. the season that way, you know, or the the unknown of Rick Clunn's two nine pounders on the Jeez. final day. We see portions of both, and we're like. I don't know if he's got 30 or 35 or 20 set. Like, he's just got some big ones. And 
and then to see what they end up being like it's it's super cool so and we're all literally sitting there and i can i can vividly remember this like going into the last day people were people there in jm were just kind of like poking fun saying oh rick clem's gonna come back and win yeah. today huh like like he did the previous time we we're at the st john's and i can remember people saying that and then like we like finish up the live shoot and everybody just kind of looking around it's like it happened again yeah like, and, it actually and did all happen. the people who were joking were like see i told you yeah. i told you and we're like no, shut you were, up you were you completely didn't. kidding you were just joking but <laughs> Well, Kyle, I love this, and one thing I'm going to ask, if you got a fish in the, let's just say spring, I'm going to take winter out, spring, summer, fall, you can only throw one thing, what are you throwing? Ooh, okay, so there's two, oh man. So, <laughs> one thing. I know, I know, I did two things, but I guess one thing. Okay, are we saying like early spring, give me a water temperature. I'm going to say above, I'm going to say... 55 to 55 like 55 going up and then as it comes down to 55 anything above 55 so 55 and up it's going to be a buzz bait for sure that's something ronnie and i both uh, <laughs> appreciate throwing a lot that time of year in the springtime it's a very underrated time to throw it you catch a lot of bigger fish doing it it's a good way to catch big fish um but at the same point I've always kind of stuck to if I just had to fish one bait for the rest of my life, it'd be a jig just because you can fish it so many different ways. You can fish it 365. Um, so we'll say a jig, but just know deep down in your mind, old Kyle wants to throw a buzz bait if it's, if it's, uh, if it's reasonable. For sure. I think uh, my gut would be telling me to throw a chatterbait. And, sure. uh, but, man, I could see how, like, you know, like a rock crawler or like a DT6, sure. like something like that. I've got to be able to throw that because there's times that like I just want to cover water. There's and certain you can slow down and comb an area with those baits, but you can't. You can fish a jig fast, but like I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, if I had to there's, just drag the rest of my <laughs> yeah. life, oh my yeah, god. No, I understand. <laughs> and there's there's certain times of the year, like that time of the year. Um, obviously, you kind of get the same that water temperature, like the mid 50s to 60, mid 50s to 50, like especially in Arkansas, it provides so many different ways to catch them. Like there's so many different baits as where, you know, if you said, Hey, in the summertime, what is one thing you couldn't live without? It'd be like, ah, oh, it's a buzz bait or top water yeah. you know, of some sort. Lock it but in like, hand. yeah, but this time of year, like obviously it's getting more on the 55 to 50 yeah. temperature range, but that like magical temperature range in terms of water goes, it just, there's so many things you can do that it's hard to narrow it down to one. But like I said, if, I just like catching them on a jig, and that's just going back to Hackney. That's going back to yeah. It's just I don't know. It's something I grew up just loving to do. So for I'd sure, say be a jig and a buzz bait. Yeah, I could yeah. go back oh, to yeah. Hackney too. His for last sure. wind was on for a buzz sure. bait. Sabine, so. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Kyle, this is fun. We got fifty-seven minutes and change going on right now, and so appreciate you coming on the podcast. Got to show some insight of somebody breaking into the fishing industry on the media side. I respect that grind because sometimes you don't see the end in sight. Um, but then I've realized the end never really – you don't really want the end to be in sight. You, you want to just keep, keep, going, going. keep going. You that's just something. wake up the next day and do more and just do something different and try a different way. And that's the fun thing about it. Just like fishing, working in fishing, there's no there's no set in stone way to do it. Just For like sure. out there on a lake, the, the, the way you can fish is – you could put the same person on, or uh, different people on the same body of water and they're going to fish it a hundred different ways. For you sure. can find your way in the industry those different ways. And so follow Kyle on social media. Kyle, what is it? At Kyle Jesse. Yeah, so Instagram's at Kyle Jesse, K-Y-L-E-J-E-S-S-I-E. And then uh, Twitter would be Ky- at Kyle Jesse, same spelling, and then the number eight. Yeah. So that's where you can follow him. You can follow sure. him there and I'll obviously probably tag him in goofy Instagram stories <laughs> continually. So do that. Ask him questions. 
uh, and, and follow along as he kind of comes up through the ranks as well. I, I look forward to seeing what he can turn into and uh, how he can help me take the load off of me at times at work. So I look forward <laughs> to that. Kyle, I appreciate it, dude. Absolutely. Appreciate had it, bro. I had a blast. Glad we got to finally do yes. this. And, uh, I'm very work. sad that the buzz bait window is closing. Cause, For sure. You know, I know. It's, I know. it's a dark days around here. Maybe we can do this again once that time frame gets here, and then we can just do nothing but talk about fishing a buzz Yes. Bait. Just an hour's worth of talking yes. about buzz bait fishing. Yes, we will do that. <laughs> All right, Kyle. I've enjoyed it, man. Peace.